Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. And wow, am I having quite the Monday morning. Since I've gone from being the biggest homebody that anyone's ever seen to being potentially the most social person in Dallas, Texas, I just am so tired. Like I just, I need a nap at the end of the day. I see why I went to bed at 8 p.m. every night. And now I'm just booked and I'm busy. We got a party bus, went to Billy Bob's this weekend. I mean, it's really just been a time. I'm having the time of my life. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, I just need a nap. I slept for 12 hours last night and even that is not enough. But anyways, enough about me. Today's episode is really, really exciting. This has actually been someone I've been wanting to get on the show for so long. We have Dr. Caroline Leaf on, who has been someone that I have followed for years and years and years. I love learning about brain health, brain mind connection, things like that. And Dr. Caroline Leaf is like the leader in this world alongside like Dr. Amen to me. So I was so excited to get to talk to her. I just read her most recent book about cleaning up your mental mess. She also has a podcast. She's really all over the place. She's been featured in Elle, Ted, Bustle, Medium, Huffington Post, The O Magazine, Thrive Global, Something You Should Know, Getting Curious, and so many other TV, radio, podcasts, and print outlets. If you guys are unaware, she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist. We're talking all today about cleaning up the mental mess. We're talking about the difference between the brain and the mind, exercises that we can all do in order to kind of better train our mind. This episode is honestly like invaluable. I want to have her on again and again and again because I have so many questions for her. I also love her podcast. I've read majority of her books. Just really respect her. And I love this episode so much. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it as well. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Caroline Leaf on to the show. I am a huge fan. I've actually, I think the first book I read of yours, I was in high school and I'm 23 now. So I am so excited to have you on. I'm forgetting the actual name, but it was the Blue Anxiety. Yes, that was the first one. Okay, wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, that's a long time ago. Forever ago. But today I want to talk about your most recent book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. I finished it last week and I absolutely loved it. I have told so many of my friends and family. I'm like, you have to go read this. It's so good. So I want to start there. You said something. It says, if we don't transform our pain through reconceptualization, we will transmit it. 
and then it will take over your thinking in our relationships, which is really what I want to go into today. Absolutely. Well, that's a great phrase that you've picked up in the book. And it's, it's just so true because basically every experience we have become physical changes in our brain and in our DNA and in our mind, which is separate from the brain, but it's all through and around the brain and the body. The mind is this big, almost ethereal, biggest part of us that none of us understand much, but it's to our mind that we process life into our brain and into our body and into little memory tracks in our mind as well. And so if we have a toxic issue that's undealt with, some kind of a trauma or whatever, and you keep thinking about it or you've suppressed it, it's it's got so much energy that it starts influencing the way that you think. So if you think of, I often use the example of the redwood trees in California, and they have such an extensive root system. That's what a the thought trees in our brain have got. Like all trees have root systems. Toxic thought trees have insidious root systems. They really penetrate other things. So they influence other thoughts. And, and all thoughts are experiences that we've had. So And then those experiences play into how we run our life. So they then become this all-consuming thing that influences us. And I've got lots of little analogies and images that I can use to dive deeper into this. I love that. Can you explain the difference between the mind and the brain? Good place to start. Okay, so I've got some images for those of you that are just listening. I'm holding up a brain. It's not a real one. It's a brain in a skull. And we've got such a focus currently on the, the neurocentric focus in our inner world today where we focus so much on the brain. And rightfully so, well, to, to an extent, that's that's a good thing because we've learned so much about the brain. I've been in the field for 38 years, which is longer than you've even been alive. And um, it's a long time. And I've watched the progression from our understanding how our understanding of the brain has developed. But that has had a negative impact as well because we've become so focused on the brain, not, not the field that I move in, but the, a lot of the scientific fields that we've forgotten all about the mind. So the mind is separate from the brain. Think of the brain as the physical. So you think of your brain in your skull and you look at your body, that's the physical part of you. And that's the more or less 10% of who you are, one to 10% of who you are. But if you're dead, like you and I are alive now, the difference between you and I alive having this conversation and a dead person is our mind. So the mind is the force that actually drives the, the brain and the body. It drives the physical. So on a psychological, basic psychological level, it is your mind that's helping you process this conversation. It's your mind that's grabbing my words and the visual images and, and the sounds and all that stuff. And it's and you're thinking and feeling and choosing about that around at about 400 billion actions per second. And then pushing that, the mind grabs that. And then it's like an energy force, electromagnetic force pushes it through the brain. And then the brain actually responds to this energy flow of my words into your, into your mind, into your, which then into your brain. And it converts that into little vibrations that are in proteins. And those proteins group together to make trees. So I'm holding up a little tree now in a pot, a little green tree in a pot. And like all trees have got root systems and branches. This is a thought tree. This is what same thing in your brain. The thought that you're building now of this information I'm giving you has roots as a root system with lots of information. So all the information I'm giving you are the memories, the data, and that's growing into the root system. And then the branches that are growing immediately at the same time are your specific interpretation of what you're hearing. So it's how you're thinking and feeling and choosing about the information. So that's the source, that's your interpretation, and then that's how you would then talk about this information. So your next question that you ask me would be coming from me saying something, you interpreting it, and then you putting all of that together and generating the next question. And that's kind of how we, what we do in life. And that's changing our brain 
and it's changing your body. So this is not only in your brain, it's in your DNA. And you've got like a little vibration in your mind about this. And as we keep talking, that grows and grows and grows. And then that's how we, how we experience, how we say and do what we do. Now, if we have a toxic thought, the opposite, here's it now, I'm holding up a toxic wiry tree. There's the root system. The root system remembers the source. In this case, the source of this trees on my words in our conversation okay um so this would be maybe toxic trauma like isolation in covid or an abuse or bullying or bad relationship experience so that's the source and then that's how this part always how you interpret what you've gone through it's all the data and the emotions and stuff to be detail about this and that combination is how you show up so maybe this was an abuse you see yourself as shame you show up battling in relationships now this is toxic to the brain body. It causes brain damage. The immune system wants to get rid of this because it threatens our survival. So it creates a whole physiological response in the brain and the body to reject this, to try and get rid of it. And to tell us that that's happening, that that whole rejection process then is, um, is manifested in our mind consciously as depression, anxiety, frustration, whatever, all those emotions in our body as physical sensations and of gut ache or a part pounding um, in our behaviors with maybe being withdrawn or something like that, maybe thinking life sucks. So all of those ways that we show up are signals of something that's going on. And basically what we need to do is become thought detectives, look at the signals and then work out what is the story and then reconstruct it. And that's essentially what I'm teaching in, the, in, in my work and what I've done for 38 years. I'm booked, I'm busy, but I'm trying to stay in shape and eat right. So that's why I love Freshly. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door, no cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. I am going to be out of town and just really busy the next couple of weeks. So Freshly is about to be saving my life. A habit that I've been trying to break recently is that when I get really busy, the first thing that kind of goes out the door is eating healthy and eating healthy is what like affects my life the most. So Freshly has been my solution to this problem. Ordering is easy. You can visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better for you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, which is my favorite, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, taste, and family size. And now our listeners can try it Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. You can stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. So right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash I love you. You can stop stressing about what you're having for dinner and go to Freshly.com slash I love you for $40 off your first two orders. Again, that is Freshly.com slash I love you for $40 off your first two orders. How are we able to then reconstruct that? in our mind and our brain. So the difference between the two then is the mind is this big mind thing building the stuff into our brain. So our mind is sort of the 90% of who we are. The brain is the 1% to 10% of who we are. So brain and body physical, the small part, mind, the big part that drives it all. If you're dead, there's no mind. Brain and body disintegrate, nothing happens, okay? So the mind is this huge driving force. Your mind is always working. You can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. So what we do is we in life, we wake up in the morning and we start 
experiencing life. And every experience is happening in our environment and we're processing that through our mind into our brain. So the brain then receives that and that's where we stored. So if we've had an toxic experience, we have to go kind of back way around. We have to become aware of our signals. And that's the process that the way we do that is the system that I've developed over the last 38 years, developing theories, doing clinical trials, working in clinic practice, and I write these books. And, and my most recent book that you mentioned, Penny Up the Mental Health, is a simple version. It's my latest research. It's the most updated research on this process of how you fix this. So basically anxiety, depression, et cetera, are not physical mental illnesses. They're not like in um, diabetes or cancer, which is how a biomedical model narrative is. They're not that. But if you look at them like that, then people think, okay, I've got anxiety, depression. There's something wrong with my brain. I've got mental illness. I'm crazy. I need a diagnosis. I need a medication. I need treatment. There's something wrong with me. And our identity gets tapped. And that leads to a lot of desperation. And that philosophy has been developing over 40 years, and it's been very unsuccessful. It's basically created a situation that people die 8 to 25 years younger because from preventable lifestyle issues when they don't manage their mind. So, yeah, so we've got to go back to the basics of mind, what it does, how it drives the brain and the body, how a messy mind causes these physical responses that can make us sick um, in the brain and the body. I show with my research that with every undealt with issue, you increase your vulnerability to, to getting these early problems with cardiovascular diseases and your body can age quicker and you know all that increases your vulnerability and that's why people die younger. So what do you have to do to fix that? We have to go back to recognizing our humanity recognizing our individuality, individual stories, and recognizing that depression, anxiety, withdrawing, all these signals in our life, all these behavior patterns are not diseases. They are basically warning signals, and we have to become like a detective. So we have to tune in. We have to literally stand back and observe what we're doing. And we're able to do that. The research, neuroscientific research shows that as humans, we're absolutely brilliant. We have this incredible wisdom. We have this wise mind that is all about survival. It's all about helping us to survive. And when we stand back and observe our own thinking and feeling, choosing and, and signals and behaviors and all that, all these the behavior signals and emotional signals, we activate the highest level of intelligence in our brain. We pull the two sides of the brain together, we increase blood flow and oxygen, all these amazing things happen in our energy, blood and so on in our brain and the chemicals, and we become much more wise and intelligent. So the neurocycle system that I've developed over these years is how we can take advantage of that way that our mind-brain connection, psychoneurobiology, mind-brain-body connection works, and then make it work for us. Um, so that's kind of the principle operating. But the mindset when you come into to fixing anything in your life is one of being very kind. It's so important that we get kind to ourselves um, that because that changes our neurophysiology, that we don't beat ourselves out and think, oh, I'm crazy, I've got brain disease, there's something wrong with me. As an individual, I'm sick or I'm crazy, no one loves me, and I'm useless and, and which does people can get into that state when they, when they are isolated or rejected by friends or going through these kind of issues and and the, and the narrative is there's something wrong with you but there isn't anything wrong with you it's not that there's something wrong with you it's that you've gone through something and because you've gone through something it's become part of you and this is toxic so then you're having a reaction your body's trying to get rid of this and it gets rid of it like we have a fever. A fever is telling you that your body's trying to fight an infection. As a depression, anxiety, et cetera, is your body trying to fight this. And it's telling you. So depression, anxiety are not it's. They are warning signals that are signaling us to go deep. So then essentially that's the mindset when you become in. It's okay. You get okay to have a messy mind. You don't know what's coming up when you when you end this podcast. None of us 
to but know what the events and circumstances are of our life. We don't know. We can't control people. We can't control what's going to happen to us, but we can control what's in us. That's mind management. So all of my work is around mind management. The neurocycle is the system of mind management, and it can be likened to Amazon. Even if you don't like Amazon, Amazon is a brilliantly efficient system for delivering anything, anytime, extremely efficiently. So the neurocycle is a delivery system. It's not a technique. It's not a therapy technique. You still go to therapy. It enhances therapy. But doing therapy once or twice a week, you're with your mind 24-7. You wake up with your mind. You go to sleep with your mind. You eat with your mind. You exercise with your mind. So you have to understand your mind. This think, feel, choose thing that processes life and, and how you experience life, all your emotions and your reactions. That's all mind stuff. So we need to understand that. And the neurocycle basically helps you understand that and then drive it in the direction you want so that you then change the wiring of your brain. Because if we keep doing something over and over again, you know, if you've got these patterns of ruminating or overthinking or imposter syndrome and all these kind of things, the more we do them, the more they grow in our brain, the more these grow. So we've got to recognize that's not who we are, those are just signals. So that's a mindset coming in. It's okay to have a messy mind or messy mind is how we experience life. It's okay to be messy, but we have to manage the mess. So we have to get our messy mind to talk to our wise mind. That's really important. You have to be introspective. And that's where the stand back, observe our own thinking and what's happening, why am I doing this, et cetera, is the, is the principle operating. So the easiest way to do the neurocycle is to do it, um, sit down like in the morning or sometime during the day, be deliberate and intentional sit down and do it for 15 to 45 minutes. So maximum 45 minutes, you can even do seven minutes. And you do the, it's a five-step process and you do it between seven and 45 minutes a day. And you do that for 21 days. And in 21 days, and I'll tell you how you do in a moment, that will help you identify the pattern and why you're doing what you're doing. The whole thing you got to find out why you're doing what you're doing. And then it helps you to take the energy from that and to reconceptualize it into this, into a healthy thought pattern. You can't, this doesn't go away, but you change how it plays out inside of you. So this turns into this tiny little thing that's changed inside of the thoughts. So I've got a tiny little green tree that I'm putting inside the, the green, the big healthy green tree. So that's how we want it to play out in our life. I want to have a decent relationship. I want to be able to not panic all the time. I want to be able to control the anxiety. I want to be able to just relax and have fun and deal with whatever, whatever it is. How do you want this to play out in your life? You don't want this to be controlling you that you live in a constant state of anxiety and, and stress and pressure, et cetera. So you've got to do the work. It takes time. This is why it in. So it's going to take time to wire it out. So the research out there is that in order to wire a pattern out of your brain, you're going to have to spend at least 21 days doing the basic work, but then still not change your behavior. In 21 days, you'll find the reason and you'll have the new pattern, but now you have to practice using this pattern. You have to turn this into a habit. And that takes another 40 days. And you just do one step for about seven minutes a day, one to seven minutes a day for 42 days. Then your behavior has changed. And when you're in those situations, again, you're not controlled by this anymore. This is gone. You now have this new way of functioning. So that's basically what the process is. Um, and the way you do the neurocycle, the five steps are very scientific. You do them in order. You don't um, skip a step and you don't stay on a step for long. So let's say you're doing it for 15 minutes. You spend about three minutes per step. And you know, between one and three minutes, one to five minutes per step. So you don't solve it in one day. You do a little bit every day. And as you're going through this, what very often happens is when you start seeing the reason why you're depressed or why you're anxious or why there's these patterns in your relationships, it's you may not have realized you've suppressed some kind of trauma from the past because we all have trauma. No human's exempt from trauma. Every human battles with trauma, anxiety, depression. These are all normal. They're just at varying degrees at different 
different times of our life. And sometimes it gets really bad and accumulates and we kind of crash. And other times we can sort of cope. So the neurocycle helps you with the in-between times and it helps you when you've crashed and you've got to really work out why this patterns in your life. But as you start seeing what's going on, it gets worse before it gets better. So then we can start feeling, you know, you start saying, oh my gosh, I'm depressed because of, because it's not that you, you, we've got to saying I am depression or I clinical depression that's wrong what we've got to say is that i'm experiencing the symptom of depression because of or i'm feeling anxiety because of that's not who you are it's not your being it's what it's a doing so you're doing that that's a doing in your life because of something so when you start seeing why that can actually make you feel more anxious and depressed so you get a little bit worse before you get better healing is very hard work and you can hate the healing process because you start seeing these things and i found that with my patients and in my book with my clinic trials, we saw that the people, they would say that, that they would start by saying, I am depression, which is not good. No identity, flatlining brain, which causes, sets you up for dementias. You don't want that. You don't want a flat line of energy in your brain. So you don't want low identity and so on. They, they would shift within 21 days to saying, okay, I'm not depression. I am depressed, depressed because of, but I feel even more anxious and more depressed because now I know what happened to me all those terrible things that cause that. So there's a total difference there. So it's not a depression where you feel hopeless. It's a sadness more and being really upset that that actually happened to you. Then you've got to work on, okay, well, how do I want this to not control me anymore? How do I want it to change? And so between day 22 and day 42 is when you then practice the new way that you want to be. And then the, that becomes a habit. And then you just do it. Then you're triggered to do the right thing because you've rewired your brain. People think they can rewire their brain in a few days and then they get stuck. And that's a big issue, Ken. Is people feel, hey, I'm in therapy, I keep talking about the same thing, but they haven't progressed forward. They just keep, you know, keep maybe talking about how terrible this was. And it is terrible, but you have to take that and you have to reconceptualize it, which is one of the first statements you read out. Reconceptualize and see it differently. You can't control that it happened to you, but you can control how you, what's in you and how it's going to play out in your life. And that takes time. It's not going to happen quickly. I've had some of my patients that would take maybe a couple of years of multiple 63-day cycles so 63 days is the time it takes to wire out patterns and wire in new healthy patterns and turn them into habits so that you feel in control, that you're empowered. And I showed with my research, you can become 81% more empowered to control stuff. Just 10% will make a huge difference in your life. Okay, so that's that's the, that, so that's the sort of the overview. Do you want me to dive in a little bit to the five steps or do you want to ask me some questions about all the lot of, I said a lot of stuff. Well, a few things. I love what you said about identity and I actually was having a conversation with a friend last week about this. And I was just saying how it's so incredible that everyone is a lot more open about mental health. And I'm someone who has dealt with it throughout my life. I've been in therapy since I was probably like eight years old. I've, I'm very proactive. Like I was also born with this innate desire to always want to grow, which is a really good thing, but also can be bad when I'm like leaning too much on that. And just on the topic of identity, I do think it gets a little bit scary when we are like, I am depressed. I have like almost finding our identity in like mental health because at the same time you, you grab towards your identity. So it's harder to want to heal when that's like kind of like what you find yourself in. And we were just having that conversation. I'm like, I think the verbiage around it really needs to change because it's so important. Another thing you said about being kind to yourself, I was never someone who thought I wasn't kind to myself. I am definitely harder. Like I expect a lot of myself, but I don't dislike myself. So I thought, oh, I'm really like, I don't have that problem until recently I have 
done a lot of growing in the past few months. And I really feel like I've come into my own a lot. I'm 23. Like I am so into like brain health and all of this stuff, which is like not normal for a 23 year old. But my problem now is that I look back at my old self and I cringe and I'm like, I still have to work on being kind to my past self. I also liked her at the time, but just because I've changed and evolved in a different time of my life, I think now it's harder for me to be kind to who I used to be, even though that's still me, you know? I get that. And, you know, it's a very good point that you've raised because we do, we look back and, and I think it's a lot of because of what society tells us is that that's who you are. That's your identity is fixed. And if you change, there's something wrong with you. Meanwhile, our identity is, is, a, is, is a verb more than it is a noun. We're evolving and we're never the same from day to day. Every experience is changing us and society has, has not our environment, our current sort of philosophies of positive psychology and the wellness movement. It's very much about the ideal that you're supposed to be and releasing. It's, it's, it's almost as though this, the inner Kenzie is just one thing and everything else that wasn't that was all bad and and you kind of embarrassed about your past meanwhile your past is beautiful because that's where you were at that point and you made the decisions and you were like that because of your environment there's nature nurture i factor nature is obviously the genetics and stuff that comes through we see that in the specialization of the brain we have 200 different areas and they specialize for each of us and it's too, because you can't do everything there's a limit to how big your brain can grow and so you can do stuff that i can't do so there's something you can do that i can't do and that's that goes for all humans so we have a unique specialization in our brain that only works with our mind so you can't put our brain in someone else. A brain transplant's never going to really work because of the uniqueness of the structure of the brain. You would have to do a lot of rewiring to accommodate someone else's um, personality because your mind's separate from your brain and it it is it matches. It's like a, a you know puzzle fitting in. Mm -hmm. um, your mind into your brain and dealt with trauma, for example, can then affect a person to the point where they always think that they're bad and they shame themselves or they always think they'll never have a relationship or something like that. Um, so yeah, so what you're saying there is, I believe it's probably societally induced that you should have been okay at that stage. And that's nonsense. We, in the messiness of life, we repair and we grow and that's beautiful. That's what we should be honoring in ourselves and in each other is let's get the messiness out there because all of us are a mess. There's no one who's not a mess. All of us are a mess. We have a messy mind and we are, the big thing is we need to be managing our messy mind. And that's why I talk about cleaning up the mental mess because it's all about wise mind talking to messy mind and giving yourself permission to be messy, but then managing that mess and growing through that process. Something that I've gotten really into in the past year is making matcha from home. You guys might've seen my Instagram reel I posted earlier this week. Um, on how I make my matcha from home because that's probably my number one asked question. And I've actually been using Pure Synergy, which I'm so excited. They are a new sponsor for the show. So Pure Synergy is your resource for organic, sustainable wellness. They provide the most pure and potent vitamins, superfoods, and herbal extracts made with organic ingredients without any chemical additives, fillers, or solvents. So with Pure Synergy products, you'll feel good about what you're putting into your body and how it impacts the planet. Pure Synergy believes that everyone deserves to be well in body, mind, and spirit. So they have a holistic health philosophy and they want to empower you to stay well and empower you to be your best self. So use Pure Synergy products and radiate health from the inside out. You can also feel good about what you're putting into your body and how it affects the planets. They are champions for organic. Perhaps one of their most significant environmental contributions has been their decision to relentlessly grow, source, and promote the development of organic non-GMO ingredients for their products 
by supporting organic farming practices. They not only reduce the depletion of resources, but they revive our planet's nutrient-rich soils, which is awesome. So you guys can be empowered to be your best self and take Pure Synergy products and radiate health from the inside out. My favorite product is their matcha. If you go on my Instagram, you guys can even see how I make it, but they're always consciously and ethically sourced ingredients. They have the highest quality products for a premium wellness enhancing experience. They take the extra processing time and spare no expense to ensure the most active and effective ingredients. So wellness means something different to everyone. Whether you're just starting a health journey or you're addressing a specific challenge, Pure Synergy wants to help empower you to embrace your well-being in mind, body, and spirit. Wellness is yours. So for 20% off your first purchase of Pure Synergy, go to thesynergycompany.com and use code IOYSIM at checkout. Again, that is 20% off the first purchase of Pure Synergy. Go to thesynergycompany.com and use code IOYSM at checkout. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about is self-sabotaging in relationships. A lot of what I've been talking about recently is just the uncertainties of your 20s. And what I've noticed even more recently within my friends and myself is how often people are just self-sabotaging in relationships or maybe filling in the blanks for other people. I have mainly an audience of people in their 20s as well. So dating is a huge thing and it's like the most asked thing probably in my DMs nonstop. So what advice or practical steps would you give to someone to stop self-sabotaging when it comes to relationships? And it's a really excellent one. There's, there's so much of that is around identity. So first of all, from the age 12 to sort of 20 is the most difficult part of the human life cycle. The second most difficult part is the age that you're at now. So from your sort of early 20s. Great. And then you, you hit this, you hit, yeah, it's yeah. the second. This is not the first, it's the second. So you've got a lot more insight, a lot more self-regulation. And it is where you are now, your identity is now getting very entangled in other people's identities in a, in a, a way because it's satisfying that need to be deeply connected with other people, which is always there from the beginning, but it's shifted now to that specific romantic relationship. So it's very dominant at this age, which is why dating is such a vital thing. Sabotage comes from these things. Sabotage is a signal that there's something undealt with in my life. I have a podcast called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, and I do a lot of stuff on a lot of different stuff. And I did one recently on trauma bonds. And that might be a really great one for you to refer people to, but there's, there's like there's a ton of stuff on there. And I'm, and I'm actually going to be doing a whole podcast on sabotaging and dating because we've also had, I get so many DMs on that as well. But essentially it comes from how we show up. Always remember that how you are is not who you are. If it's if it's healthy, then that's fine. But if you're showing up in any toxic way in a relationship, that is because of something. There's something that's happened. You see yourself, you think and feel and choose about yourself. You've interpreted this and it's all distorted. And because it's distorted, it creates all these immune responses and our body feels crazy. And in our mind, we get this whole response and then we, that, that generates these signals. So the sabotaging is a, it's almost like a coping mechanism to try and process this or to try and numb this. It's such a weird thing. It's like using alcohol to numb pain or to get more, you know, to make it easier in social situations for social anxiety. It doesn't really help in the end because it's psychoactive and then there's often you have increased anxiety, you know, the hang, anxiety concept. Sabotaging comes, it, it means that we need to do work on ourselves and work as individuals. So self-sabotaging is because a person's 
this has affected their identity and they are acting in a certain way to try and actually control this, but it comes out wrong. It's that transmit thing that we spoke about at the beginning. If you haven't dealt your transmit and self-sabotaging is an example of how we've transmitted this. So we have to use that as a signal, embrace it and say, okay, what am I actually doing? What are the details of the sabotaging? What does it look like? And do the neurocycle. And so start with the signals, look at the four signals, do the whole process. And then over the cycles of 21 days, you're going to get to the bottom of it and transfer and then practice it. Both partners should be doing that. Or if you, if it's you as a, as a person and you keep your relationships keep ending because you keep doing the same thing, there's a pattern. You've got a neurocycle. It's going to take you those cycles of 63 days. It may take you more. You may do one neurocycle, find you've only, only identified that corner. You still got those three and you see, oh, hang on, there's this and this. doesn't mean that you can't be in a relationship while you're working on it. The fact is that you need to work on it. And it's you being honest and open saying, okay, I am doing these things and I know it's stuffing up our relationship. It's sabotaging. I, I don't quite know what, but I'm going to work on it. I see it. I own it. I acknowledge it. As soon as you do that, as soon as you do that, Already this has moved in the conscious mind. It's weakened and you've shifted the power balance. You are now, con- you don't quite know, you're still doing it, but you've now shifted the power balance because you've now controlled, so you've weakened it. And if something's weakened, it's malleable, it's changeable. So you you honestly and open tell your partner that that's what you're doing. You recognize that this is a pattern and you're going to be working on it. And then gently, if there's something you can see they're doing, so maybe you want to try that too. Be careful of like you pointing, you know, that kind of thing. And because it leads to a lot of assumptions and narratives we make. We're very good at making assumptions, taking a person's statement and then creating a whole narrative in our mind and making all these assumptions. And then we build that in and we make this even worse. And then we come to the party and the other person, between 70 and 94% of what you have in your narrative about the other person is wrong. And then we come with this 94% nonsense into the situation and that then puts them on the spot and it increases aggression and then it ends a relationship or something like that. So the assumption side, we need to remember that our assumptions create narratives and those are up to 94% wrong. So we need to always clarify. I could say, okay, I'm working on this. I recognize I'm doing this. I think you meant this with this, did you? If there is a heated moment, you know, pull away, give yourself space, go do some work on your own, separate out and come back together. But always clarify those assumptions because you will be 72, 70, up to 75% wrong and 94% of what you're worrying about isn't going to come true. So just bearing that in mind is reason enough not to make assumptions. Wow, that is crazy. I'm so excited for your episode. I have listened to a few on self-sabotage and on relationships on your podcast and I have loved them. So I can't wait for more. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. You are always welcome back. My pleasure. Literally, I'm like all Thank the time you. monthly at this point. Where can they find you? My social media handles are Dr. Caroline Leaf. And as you know, from Instagram, you can get everywhere. But my webpage is drleaf.com. There's lots of books and things on there. Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess is available wherever books are sold. Also on our website. Um, I know there's a special at the moment going on where they save $11. There's also 101 ways to be less stressed. So they get the two together. I have our conference, our annual summit. Um, it's a mental health retreat. And this year I'm talking about it's in person in Dallas. It's a huge deal. And we're going to, it's a, it's a retreat. It's a mental health retreat where I teach on how to manage. And this year it's going to be focusing on the mental health created by the pandemic. You know, the isolation, the anxiety, anxiety is tripled. And we're going to be really working on that. And then my podcast is Cleaning Up a Mental Mess. So lots of, and the app is um, Neurocycle, available at iTunes and Google Play. Amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, Kinsey, I was wondering your opinion on being in a relationship with someone whose family is not supportive of your relationship and they're very toxic towards you. 
but your boyfriend is kind of naive to see that, I would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for having this phone line so that we can ask you questions. Okay, so I feel like this is quite a sticky situation because on one end, you don't want to put your boyfriend in an awkward spot where he has an awkward kind of relationship with his family. And then on the other end, you don't want to be treated poorly. I feel like most of us have experience with maybe not being obsessed with someone's parent or someone like related to someone that we're dating. And that's a really tough spot to be in. But I think you should keep in mind, regardless, this is his family at the end of the day. And you need to have like respect for that and respect those relationships. I will say if my family has any sort of red flags about a relationship or they think maybe this isn't the relationship for me or even I'm not the person for the person that I'm talking to, things like that. Maybe it's not even personal. I do keep that in mind because my family knows me really well and they want what's best for me. But I will say, I don't think every single person's family has, you know, maybe their best interest at heart, unfortunately. Like there's so many other things that go into that that can create maybe unhealthy or toxic relationships or even weird relationships within family dynamics where they get jealous. And there's so many layers to it. So just because their family maybe doesn't love the relationship doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad relationship. But I do just think that's something to keep in mind. I would maybe ask your parents or even close friends of yours what they think about the relationship. And if they think it is a good relationship for you, I would recommend having maybe just a really healthy, calm conversation with your boyfriend just kind of how you feel and go at it from a position of wanting to make things better. So whether that's maybe having like more boundaries with the family or that's you making more of an effort to have a better relationship with the family or just getting advice from him on that, I would have that conversation, but I would be very careful how I communicated it because you don't want to offend him because again, that is his family. I don't know how serious you guys are, But keep in mind that if you marry him, you marry the family too. That's what people tell me. So hopefully you guys are able to mend your relationship with the family and things get better. Keep me posted on what you decide to do. Anyways, that is it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, if you guys want to call in for advice, go on our Instagram. The phone number is there. You guys can just leave a voicemail and I will get back to you. Thank you so much to Dr. Lee for coming on the show. I adored this episode. You guys can find her podcast, her book. Everything will be in the show notes below. I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next Thursday.